Happy Mother's Day, Freedom Fellowship. Uh, hello to my mother in Kentucky. She watches every week. I'm so glad you're here, Mana. And for all of you mothers, welcome to you. It sure would have been nice if we could be together today, but we can't. And so we're going to um, look at God's Word together apart like we've been doing. Um, today I've got this really great picture. So today we're talking about Christ and kids, and that's just one of my favorite pictures ever. I just love the, uh, the way Jesus looks like he's interested because you know he is. And the, the child just looks so innocent. And, and so I want to tell you, uh, kind of begin with a story today. Uh, there was a, a lady by the name of Carolyn Monroe. She had lots of kids, eight kids. And she's from Dar- Darlington, Maryland. And so she'd gone to the grocery store, left her kids at home. And, you know, they, when you have a lot of kids, the older ones take care of the younger ones. It's kind of how it works. And she got home and she noticed when she walked in that it was eerily quiet Uh, in the house and when you have eight kids you can imagine that it's usually not quiet and so she was a little suspicious of what might be going on so she walks into the family room and she sees five of her kids sort of in a circle huddled around something in the middle of the floor well that something happened to be uh, baby skunks look how cute they are they're really cute but they still stink if you make them mad and so she went nuts she these kids had brought these skunks in the house, and so she's, she goes crazy, and she screams, kids, quick, run! And the kids did run, except each child took a skunk with them five different directions, at which time Miss um, Monroe screams even louder. She's even more hysterical. And this causes the children to kind of panic, and they clutch their skunks a little tighter. And in case you didn't know this, uh, skunks don't like to be clutched tightly. And so that day, the Monroes uh, learned a very valuable truth. Sometimes, uh, sometimes truth assaults you. And today we have this great lesson from Jesus. Now, we looked at some of these verses a few weeks ago. But it's one of those stories that's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's very important. It's Jesus with kids. And so we're actually going to look at the story in all three of those, at least parts of it, in all three of those Gospels. So let's just jump right in. Um, Luke 18. People were bringing babies to Jesus, small children obviously, for him to place his hands on them. They wanted Jesus to bless these children. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked the families, these parents. But Jesus called the children to himself, and he said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And So today we're going to look at three parenting priorities. Things that we who are parents, not just mothers, but mothers and fathers, what do we need to do for our kids? So let's just jump right in. The first thing is uh, we need to understand that Christ wants us to bring our children to him. We just looked at Luke, but let's look at Matthew, kind of the same story. Then people brought little children for Jesus Uh, to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. Parents, let me tell you, there's nothing more important that we will ever do in our lives than to bring our children to Christ. Nothing more important. I mean, there are important things we have to do. Uh, We we have responsibilities as parents. Nothing will ever trump the the idea that we're to introduce our children to Jesus. 
Uh, if we had had services today, Mother's Day is always our day to do baby dedications and child dedications, and, and we are not doing it obviously today, but we're going to pushing that down the road like lots of things because of the pandemic. We're pushing some stuff uh, down the road. Maybe we'll do it in September. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but when school's back in session, and hopefully that'll be in session and we'll be going to school, maybe a little bit down the road we'll dedicate children and what's exciting is we have several to dedicate but um, I heard a story about baby dedication one time there was this little boy and and uh, he was about five or six years old and and his baby brother was being dedicated and there was this ceremony at church and little boy gets into the the car and he starts to cry on the way home and he's crying kind of uncontrollably and the dad keeps asking him so what's wrong what's wrong why are you so upset and eventually the little boy said well, the preacher said he wants us to be raised in a Christian home, but I want to live with you. Well, well, <laughs> what we have to understand is we, uh, as parents, need to not lose focus of what's the most important thing, and that's bringing our children to Christ. Sometimes we get so busy with life, and we can get busy with work, and we can pour ourselves into a hobby, and if we're not careful, we'll lose focus. I heard about a little girl, and her dad really never had time to play with her because every day when he came home, he would bring work. And so the mom tried to explain to the little girl, she said, honey, daddy's just got so much work at home, uh, at, at work, that he, well, he has to bring it home to get done. And the little girl, she was in the first grade, so she said, well, can't they just put him in a slower group? Um, sometimes I think we need to just put ourselves in a slower group because our relationship with our kids is the most important thing that we'll ever do. And... This pandemic has kind of thrown us all together. And it's given us opportunity for more time together. And I'm constantly looking for, hey, what good things are coming out of this? And I think one of the best things is we're, having, we're being made to spend more time with our kids. And I see these sort of kind of snarky memes about, you know, I have to get drunk in order to be with my kids. Really? Seriously? I mean, you can't stand your kids? Why did you have kids? I mean, kids are great. Spend time with them. And... And we really have to maybe realign what we want for our children growing up. So I have a slide, and it's this. What's your ambition for your child? And I wrote some of the common ones out. To be a great athlete and earn an athletic scholarship, or to be a great student and earn an academic scholarship, or to be in an important job, or to make a good living, or to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, or to finally move out of the house. I mean, what's your ambition for your kids, because here's what happens so often in America. We try to live vicariously through our children's achievements. And we weren't a star athlete, but we want our kids to be star athletes. And we didn't have these achievements, but we want our kids to have these achievements. And we work and we think and, and we strive to give our kids all of these things when really the parents in our story today are, are, should be our role model. Because beyond anything else, they wanted to bring their children into the presence of Christ. Again, nothing that we ever do as a parent will be more important than bring our children into the presence of Christ. Kids my age, I've heard people say, you know, when I was a kid I had a drug problem. My my parents drug me to church all the time, and and that was me. My mom and daddy, they would bring me to church, and and we would be at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Revival used to last a week. We would be every time, all the time. Uh, We went on youth trips, and we did all those things. And I'm so thankful, because my, my parents wanted to bring me into the presence of Christ. 
And, and so, just for emphasis sake, let me say it one more time. Our number one parenting priority must be to introduce our children to Jesus. It's got to be our number one parenting priority, to bring our children to Jesus. There's this great story in the Old Testament about Hannah. Uh, Hannah was childless. She prayed and she asked God for a child, and eventually she has a son, a little boy named Samuel. Now, she had strived for this kid. She had prayed for this kid. This child was born. And if you had prayed for a child, and the Lord finally gave you a child, like the Lord gave Hannah this child, would you not just cling to that little boy and kind of helicopter parent him and, and never really ever want to let him out of your sight? Not Hannah. Hannah, in fact, said this. She said, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he, was granted, and he has granted my request, and now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And Hannah took her son, and she dropped him off at the, um, at the temple, and she let him stay there for the rest of his life. My daughter Mallory just got married, and, and we're happy that she found a great godly husband, and so we're excited for their life together. But when Mallory was a little girl, three or four years old, she was in, we were in a car accident, and, and Mallory had to have surgery. Little bitty girl, I mean so little, and I still think about little Mallory in this huge hospital bed. And, and Mallory, oh my word, so sweet. And, and every time the nurses would come in, she would scream because she knew they were going to take her blood. They kept checking her blood because she had had some internal organs that tore and and they were afraid that she had infection and there was a time we were on the cusp of them having to do another surgery on her they were kind of giving her body time to to heal but if it hadn't gotten better didn't get better in a certain amount of time they were going to have to go back in and see if there was something else wrong and I remember Miriam and I praying this prayer God we know that you love her more than we do and we, we lay her at your feet. Now, as much as we love our children, we don't love them as much as God does. He loves them more than us. And we can lay our children at his feet. And, and we had to that day. And we are so thankful that Mallory on that day got better. And we didn't have to have additional surgery. But just like Hannah, we want to be people. Those, we want to be people that are willing to give our children completely over to the Lord. We, we need to be the kind of parents that provide not just stuff. My, my parents were great to provide stuff. They, they gave me some great things, like meals. They provided meals. I like to eat. That was great. And I love the story of the 15-year-old boy. He, he got off the bus. He came into the house. He was startled to find his mom was sick in bed, and he didn't, kind of didn't know what to do, and he knew supper was coming up, so he said, Mom, don't worry, I'm getting very strong. I'm 15, you know, I'm, I'm strong now. And if you need me to carry you down to the kitchen to make me supper, I'll do that for you. I, I mean, you know, um, we, we as parents, we want to provide for our kids. And my parents provided great things. They, they provided a food and a roof over my head and, and a basketball hoop. And, and they, uh, my first car was a Datsun B210. They kind of, that was a fail, but that was okay. In fact, Daddy was really smart to get me a hoopty first car because the first day I had my driver's license, I backed into my sister's car in my driveway. So Daddy knew what he was talking about. It was really important. But Daddy and Mama, they provided for me 
But I'm going to tell you the, the most important thing they ever gave me, the greatest gift my parents ever gave me was their faith. It was the best thing ever. They made sure I knew about Jesus. And then they lived it in front of me. Uh, they were generous with people and kind. And my parents weren't perfect. I'm not saying that. But they were godly. And all those other things they gave me, the basketballs and the baseball gloves and the Datsun B210, I don't have any of that anymore, but I still have that faith. The most important thing they ever gave me was their faith. And so our number one responsibility as a parent is to bring our children into the presence of Christ. Jesus wants to know our kids. There's a reason for that, and it's our second point. Christ is looking for childlike faith. Look at what it says here in Mark 10. Uh, and we've seen it, but let's, let's kind of go over it again. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. And we're going to talk about why. Uh, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, so there's this debate. Why would... The disciples shoo the kids away. And there's sort of this, there are about three ideas around this. Number one was they were tired. They, they were just exhausted and perhaps they were protecting Jesus from being overly tired. And I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, I make bad decisions a lot of times. And maybe they were just really tired. And uh, this picture is of a guy named Timothy Robert Sexton. He's from Catlettsburg, Kentucky. So he's probably a cousin of mine, I suspect. Now, uh, Mr. Sexton made a bad decision because he was tired. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Um, last week, it might have been two weeks ago, but recently, um, Mr. Sexton broke into his neighbor's home and stole their 50-inch television. When he got home, he noticed he hadn't taken the remote. So he broke back into the house, at which point he gets caught. See, that's just because he was tired. So maybe the disciples were tired. And they were shooing the kids away. Another idea was that in, in that time, and we've talked about this even recently, at, in Jesus' time, children really had no status at all. I mean, they really had no, they had no standing. They were property. Um, if, if you were a father, you had, you had the right to say if a child lives or dies when they were born. It was just your, it was all in your hands. And oftentimes... If a child was defective or if it was a girl, this is sad to say, they would, they would do something called expose them. They would just put them in the city square or they would put them out in the wilderness. And they were nefarious types, unscrupulous types who would gather up those children and they would train them to be gladiators or they would train them to be prostitutes. I even read this week that sometimes they would maim these children in order to make them better beggars. They would be more, uh, people would be more compassionate toward them if they were disfigured. This is the kind of world Jesus lived in. Uh, some believe that uh, maybe uh, the children were considered unclean because their parents, their, their dads had given them away when they, gave, when they put their uh, mothers away. They wouldn't write a certificate of divorce. They wouldn't actually divorce a, a wife. They would just put them away because they didn't want to pay back the dowry. And so... Jesus uses these times as these, he is such an amazing teacher, as these teachable moments. And we see it 
all the time. Jesus will say, consider the lilies of the field. And you can just imagine he's out walking and, or he's teaching on a hillside and there's a field of lilies and he would say, hey, consider this or consider a man sowing seed in his field. And you can imagine Jesus was on a hillside and people were watching and there would be a guy over there sowing seed or at least they knew what it was like. And so Jesus takes these little children and, and he says, consider faith must be like a child's. There's this really interesting statistic I want to show you. 77% of people who come to Christ do so because before they're 21. Before they're 21. That, that's an amazing statistic. That's why we pour great resources into children's and student ministry. Because children and students have, if, they're going to come, if people are going to come to Christ, those are the times when people come to Christ. Statistically speaking. Just makes sense. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a, a church that wants to win people to Christ, you invest in children's ministry. And we have Ashley Teams, and she is amazing. And even now during the pandemic, when we can't meet, she's going to houses and doing things and sending things home, and she's doing a great job. And we have Dwayne who works with our student ministry, and he does these Zoom calls and these games online, and he teaches, and he's just doing a great job. And we appreciate their ministries because. They're reaching the most uh, reachable people. It just makes a ton of sense. So Jesus understood this, and he was saying, hey, uh, the best time to reach folks, bring the children to me. There, there's a reason. Children are humble. Look what it says in James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. Uh, ch- children aren't, uh, they're, they're not, uh, they're not, uh, they're not. Um, they're eager to receive assistance. Um, it, I see little kids all the time, and their shoes are untied, and they'll come up to me. They don't even know me, and they'll say, "Will you tie my shoe?" They're eager to receive help. They're humble, and they're also teachable, and they're trusting. Look at what it says in Mark ten: "For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." They trust. They trust everybody. That's why you have to teach them stranger danger and all those kinds of things. I heard a great story. A guy named Tim, Tim Hansel, he wrote a book called Holy Sweat. And he was out hiking with his son, Zach, and they were on some cliffs and kind of hiking around. And, and his son, Zach, said, hey, Dad, catch me. And he, <laughs> Tim turns around to see his son midair. Evidently, he had jumped and then yelled, which is really a, the bad sequence. That's the, you're missequencing there. The kid had jumped and yelled for his dad to catch him, and his dad caught him. And, and was panicked. You can imagine if your kid's flying through the air and all of a sudden you have to catch him. And they both wound up on the ground. And once Tim finally got his wits about him, he said, why in the world would you think that makes any sense to do that? Why would you do that? And the little boy grinned and said, because you're my dad. And I trust you. See, kids are, are trusting. And, and the Bible tells us, and we have to trust that the Lord means this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we say to ourselves, that just seems so simple. It just seems too easy. I read about a, a, a cake mix company, and they made a cake mix, and they advertised that all you had to do was add water. And it was wildly unsuccessful. because. And then they did some research. Well, why would you not want this? It seemed too easy. So they reformulated the mix. Then you had to not just add water, but you also had to add an egg. And once they made it where you had to add a little bit more, then people bought it like crazy. And we're kind of like that with salvation. We look at this verse and it's like, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that just seems kind of easy. 
Well, it is kind of easy. And sometimes we want to add something to it, and we don't have to add anything to it. And in Titus it says, He saves us not because of what we do, not, the, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of God's mercy. Christ understands. He, he wants us to bring our kids to Him because He understands they're the most moldable and pliable and receptive and trusting and humble. So bring our kids, bringing our kids to Christ is the most important thing we'll ever do. And there's a third thing, and that is God expects us to, to lead the way, to, to set an example. And we're going to look for just a second at a guy named Job. He is in the Old Testament. and We know Job for his suffering, but we sometimes miss the fact that Job was this incredible parent. And, and Job did some things. Because here's the problem. It is really easy for us to lose focus. This is a picture from the 2017 Oscar Awards. I don't know if you watch that. I don't watch those shows. But evidently, they gave the Oscar to the wrong movie people. So, uh, it's Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, and they're presenting, and they get the envelope from a guy from Price Waterhouse, who, by the way, hadn't been paying much attention. Uh, he'd been taking selfies with all the stars, and he gave them the wrong envelope. So they open the envelope and they say, picture of the year is La La Land. And two minutes after you know, they start their big speech, they say, uh, no, sorry, 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 uh, we gave you the wrong envelope. It should have been, I think Moonlight should have won. I, I love this picture because look at the kid on the left. Uh, this is when they find out that um, they had given the, the wrong envelope uh, to, uh, uh, to the presenter. And, and it's easy to lose focus. And I love, we're going to look at Job because Job just didn't lose focus focus. And Job did a couple of things. He modeled a godly life for his kids. Look here. There was a man in the land of Uz, not Oz, it's a different place, uh, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. Wouldn't that be awesome to have on your tombstone? Uh, here lies Joseph Vest, who was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There was born to him seven sons and three daughters, and he modeled what it was like to live a godly life. I, I had the great fortune of working with my dad. I loved my dad. He was a hero to me. He's been gone many years now, but I still think about things he said. And I would watch how he would deal with people. And I was a relatively young man at the time in my 20s, and, and I would watch Daddy deal with the public. And, and Daddy had these axioms, and I talk about them all the time, even when I'm preaching. And, and somebody, uh, and my dad would have a disagreement about uh, a price or about a product or something, and, and Daddy had this little axiom. He would say, if you can live with it, I can live without it. And the implication was, you know that you're getting over on me, but that's okay, I'm going to be okay with it because I can live without it. I, I just loved the way he modeled for me how to, to deal. I never saw him cheat anybody. I, I saw him help lots of people. I saw him help people. Um, Mama, you should turn away. Uh, he helped people. That mama didn't even know about. I mean, people would come in. And I, I loved that about him. I, I saw my dad be generous. He modeled for me what it was like. And as a, a son of a father, I, I'm, I'm happy I saw him do that because he made me want to be like him. And I know it's Mother's Day. It's not Father's Day. I, I should have given you a Mother's Day story. But um, Mama was always great and is still always great to us as well. We, we love her deeply. I, I think they both modeled for my family, what it was like, and my, my kids, what it was like to be 
godly. There's a text that's sometimes misunderstood in Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so many people believe that's a promise. But we, we miss... There's a reason I highlighted the word train up. Because the word basically means... It's a picture. Uh, when babies were born and midwives were there, what they would do when the baby was, was separated from uh, its mother, they would take a mixture of olive oil and, and sweet dates... And they would rub it on their finger, and then they would stick their finger in the baby's mouth and massage the baby's gums. And the notion was that they would sort of try to create in this child a desire for nourishment. Uh, kind of start the, the sucking process. And when you look at this verse, train up a child, what it's really saying is stimulate in your child a desire to know about God and His Word. That that's what we're to do. We're to stimulate their notion around, um, hey, I need to know God better. So the first thing Job did was he modeled for them a godly life. The second thing, he prayed for them. This is a really interesting verse because I don't know about you, my kids, those three that are out of my house, they can do anything they want to. I don't have control over them. I can't control what they do or what they don't do. But I can control my prayers for them. And, and this is what we see in Job. Look at this text. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. And early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. He couldn't control his kids, but he could control his intercession. This was his regular custom. So he modeled a life for them, and he prayed for them. And finally, the last thing is, we need to speak words of blessing. We're going to go back to Jesus, and we're going to kind of end with this. And Jesus took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Let me do one more word study for you just for a second. The word blessed is a, uh, a compound word. And whenever in Greek there's a compound word, usually it's to add emphasis. So the word is kata eulego. Um, and when you go to a funeral, you hear a eulogy. That's where we get this word from. Kata is kind of big or more. So it's a big blessing, basically. It, it, these are words of affirmation. The, the word literally means to celebrate with praises. And so, Jesus didn't just place his hands on them. He blessed them by speaking words of encouragement over them. By speaking a preferred future to them. He told them that they were going to be somebody. Really important for them to hear that. Let me end with a, a story. There was a teacher by the name of Mary Cooper. Preschool teacher in Lowell, Michigan. And she had one little boy in her preschool class that would always pat her on the hind section, on her rear end. And she would tell him not to, and he just did. That was kind of his habit, and he, she couldn't figure out how to break it. So eventually, you know, sometimes you have to send him to the timeout chair. She sent him to the timeout chair, and uh, the boy's dad came in that afternoon, and, 
And she said, I'm having so much trouble with him. He just keeps kind of patting me on the rear end. And we can't have that in class. Do you have any idea why he's doing that? And the dad kind of giggled. and He said, you know, my son loves football. He's been watching the football players. And he asked me why the football players spank each other. You know, they kind of pat each other on the hind section. And I told him it's because they're encouraging one another and they want each other to, they want to tell one another that they're doing a good job. And he said, I, he's probably just telling you you're doing a good job. I like that story. Uh, we all need encouragement. Today for you, I want to encourage you, if you're a parent and, and you have the ability, because you do, you have the ability to, um, to direct your kids, uh, then direct them. Bring them to Christ. The very first song I ever learned was Jesus Loves Me. Jesus Loves Me is that song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. I've got a lot of education under my belt. It's hard to tell, I know sometimes. I've got a lot of education under my belt. But the truth that Jesus loves me, this I know, is still profound to me. And it's profound to my kids. And someday it'll be profound to my grandkids. We have no greater task as parents than to bring our children to learn to know Jesus. Let's pray that we can do that right now. Lord, thank you for our time together apart. Uh, We pray that we be parents who take seriously the very most important thing that we are ever called to do. Because honestly, Lord... If they achieve greatness in sports or greatness in business and they don't know Jesus, then really they've not accomplished anything of any internal value. Help us to focus on what's eternally valuable. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.